Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's show, I want to tell you about a really cool new dating app out there. People might say, John, why are you talking about dating apps? You're married. Mark's married. Brian's married. Three married guys talking about a dating app. Well, let me tell you why. Because this, my friends, is a dating app that libertarians need, that people who have strong beliefs, strong value systems need. All the other dating apps out there, they don't let you um, search for your mate, search for your significant other, search for a potential spouse based on a values-based matching system. And if you're a libertarian, this is something that is definitely something near and dear to your heart. You don't want to end up matched with a statist. Drone actually allows you to set and pick your own deal breakers and deal makers. It's going to match you with someone based on that. You get a notification. Get this, guys. It's no swiping left or right, none of that nonsense. It's no texting. It's no leaving voice messages. It's all video-based. So you're going to get to see the person that you're talking to on a screen. Um, There's no catfishing nonsense, none of that. Let me tell you about how you can get Drome. It's free, but what you're going to do is go to Drome, that's D-R-O-M, Drome.date slash lions. And uh, once you, you know, get bring it up in your phone's browser, you download the app, and you're going to use the invite code lions to sign up. If you're a single person out there looking for love in the Liberty universe, stop sliding into the uh, the Twitter DMs and being creepy. Get out there, set up a profile on Drome, and uh, find somebody who matches your value system and start talking to them face-to-face. Just go to drome.date slash lions. Use invite code lions. Make it happen today, guys. Come on. We are born free. We will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And really excited about today's show, uh, something that I'm very passionate about that I know a lot of people are very concerned and uh, shocked uh, by what they're seeing happening in Australia with regards to coronavirus lockdowns. Um, Just disgusting stuff that's happening there. And there's really, you know, when I saw it happening, sure, I could bring someone on the show from the U.S. to talk about it, but I thought, why not try to find somebody who's on the ground in Australia to give me a report of what's happening, uh, reactions of you know people who are for this, to, to tap into really what is the temperature on the ground in Australia and what's going to happen going forward, kind of looking into the crystal ball. So I found, uh, found a friend, Liberty Down Under, on Twitter. We're going to be speaking with him. A great conversation. You guys are going to love it. Um, and if you want to see the video version of it, you can go to our YouTube channel. It's, uh, it's posted up there. It's also going to be on Odyssey as well. So I never promote our, our video content. If you didn't know, um, pretty much every show we do now, almost every show, um, has video uh, accompanying it on YouTube or Odyssey, wherever you uh, decide you want to watch. So do that. Or if you haven't, please subscribe to the channel. Helps us out. Wherever you listen to this podcast, uh, give us a subscription. And if you want to support us, please do so by going to patreon.com slash lines of liberty. Let's get to the show. I don't want to waste any time. All right. We are live. Give it a couple seconds here. See if we get some people to join on in. Live on Facebook and YouTube. Joined here. We got somebody, so I'll start. We got one person at least. I'm joined here on a special live edition of Finding Freedom uh, with Liberty Down Under. Now, this guy, so a little backstory to this before uh, before I do a full introduction. I uh, obviously, with what's happening in Australia, 
you know, in the United States, we're kind of disconnected from it. We see what happens on TV and, you know, we're all pretty shocked by what we're seeing. And I put out some feelers on Twitter. I said, Twitter, who should I talk to? Who should I talk to in Australia? Who's plugged in? Who's a, uh, you know, a liberty-minded person in Australia? And I had multiple multiple people come back and say, you got to talk to Liberty Down Under. So that's who I'm joined by today, Liberty Down Under. He's at, now it's spelled a little differently. It's, it's Liberty, it's at Liberty Down Under without the E on Under on Twitter. And uh, he's a 19-year-old. Very ambitious guy. He's involved with the uh, the local libertarian politics over there. Um, he's looking to uh, to get into law and international business, and uh, he's somebody who is working hard for libertarian ideals in Australia. And he's plugged in on the ground. So, welcome to the show, man. Hello, it's good to be here. Let, let's start off before we get into you know. I'm, I'm sure everybody wants to hear about you know what's happening in Australia what your opinions are on it, you know, the people you know, and, you know, what, what's happening on the ground. But before we get to that, man, how does a 19-year-old in Australia come across the ideas of liberty and get interested in this? So I've had a bit of a crazy political journey. So back in 2016, um, when, they had, when we had the U.S. elections, I was a social democrat. Um, and today I am an ANCAP. So it's been a very, very... very um, radical uh, mm-hmm. trip. So by 2018, I was a uh, neocon. I was watching a lot of Stephen Crowder. Um, and then, yeah, came across the word libertarian. I was like, well, what does this mean? I started reading into it. And I was like, well, I agree with this. And so ended up like moving down more and more into into libertarianism and ended up being, being an ANCAP uh, by this year. The thing that really pushed me over the edge was seeing how our lockdowns in 2020, which were ridiculous. So that's really what pushed me over the edge. Um, I know a lot of Australians like were radicalized by the lockdowns. So, so that was like the, the moment in time. So that was so just to like turn the clock back. So I know I know in the U.S. it was like was it March? I guess it was March of 2020 when they kind of did that initial. It was the the 15 days to flatten the curve, which turned into months and months. Um, what, what was the timeline in, in Australia? When did the first lockdowns happen in Australia? So they were, they were March as well, March of 2020. Um, they were lifted uh, middle of winter, which is a summer for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had like lots and lots of snap lockdowns since then. I know Melbourne went into a four-month lockdown in the second half of 2020. Um, and they're they're in they're in their sixth uh, lockdown in eighteen months right now. And uh, what, what part of Australia are are you in? So I'm in Queensland, which is the northern state on the east coast. It's got the point at the top, and Victoria's um, is and Melbourne are down the bottom. And it, so, so where you are in in Queensland, have you experienced lockdowns there as well? So I experienced the initial ones. I've been fortunate since then. Um, I'm just far enough away from Brisbane, the state's capital, to have avoided the recent lockdowns. But I know mm-hmm. people who are literally like 10 kilometres away from me who had the lockdowns in place. So it's been, it's been quite arbitrary how it's worked in Queensland, but I'm very fortunate to have avoided those lockdowns. But I've definitely been seeing a lot of stuff in, in New South Wales and in Victoria about this recent uh, lockdowns. Tell us about, I mean, because we just see, like, let's just jump right into it. So this past, what was it, Saturday, maybe it was Friday, I'm not sure how, how the time works with the time zones, but there was a a big protest in, I guess that was in, was that in Sydney? Where was a big protest? Were they, you know what I'm talking about, where, where they broke through yes. the, uh, the police lines? Where, where, what part of Australia was that in? So the story that you Americans have mostly seen um, mm-hmm. was the Melbourne one where they had the right police were sent in with, Melbourne, okay. with pepper spray and they're pepper spraying children and whatnot. Uh, and then we had a second protest, which is in Sydney. It was not as bad, but it was still lots of arrests there. I think a day or two before, they sentenced a young person who organized the lockdowns in their uh, the, the lockdown protests to eight months behind bars for organizing protests. Um, and then in 
in other capital cities, including uh, Brisbane, uh, it was like the police wanted the um, protests, but there weren't any real arrests because those states aren't in lockdown. So, so like what I see, what we see from America, and it's it's got it's got to be annoying um, for people in Australia to to you know you're in in the heat of this experiencing it, and you see you know Americans on Twitter saying, oh you you Aussies, what are you doing over there? You're acting like a bunch of bitches. You're not standing up. But you you guys are are, are in the heat heat of the battle. So what is the temperature on the ground there? Um, because what we see on Facebook are a lot of the, you know, the the lefties, the the left Aussies speaking out in favor of these lockdowns, and uh, maybe the other stuff is is uh, is suppressed. But if you had to give like a gauge of on the ground, like how, how much support does this have? Uh, so I was talking. Um, I did a podcast with a Liberty lockdown, Liberty lockdown with uh, Clint mm-hmm. on last on Saturday during the protests, which we're doing Friday night, your time. And I said, then it's probably about 5%. Um, but having seen the lockdowns happen and then the next day, they went and protested on the New South Wales, Queensland border protesting the new border restrictions, which are basically only, only essential workers can travel across and you've got to have the vaccine to do so. So there were, there were hundreds, if not thousands of people there protesting. Um, so I want to say it's something like 10, 15% of the people in Australia are anti-lockdown. Uh, that that's of course generalizing. So in certain places there'll be more, and, and less in others. But right, right. It, it is it is it is coming to a boiling point. I know the all the truckies are going to try and protest on Friday, yeah. but not driving anywhere because that's sick of it. Because like all the borders are being closed affects them because they're driving across states. Yeah, so it's I, I really saw being that. Quite uh, intense here. It, there was a uh, yeah tweet that I, I guess went viral where, where, where there was a truckie who was saying that they had uh, they, they had their their whole group together was going to shut down and the, I think they said that some some military vets were also were also with them. Yes, I didn't I didn't see the one about the military vets, but yeah, definitely okay. a lot of the truckies. I don't think it's all of them, but most of them. Uh, I know one of the trade unions of um, for truckies was like ninety something percent of people supported the supported the. Um, the strike on Friday. So it's definitely going to be a big, a big thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Just to talk about, cause I know that, uh, you know, speaking out in Australia obviously has, has come with, uh, with penalties. Uh, people who've, who've protested have been, have been fined. You know, you see stories of teenagers who go out just trying to have some fun with their friends drinking and they end up getting rounded up by by helicopters, you know, coming in. You see stories like that. Um, are, are are you are, are you worried? Like like so, you're coming on a show here that's you know that's going to be broadcast and, and put out there. Are are you worried speaking out? Like what, what's your what's your temperature for for stuff like that? So when I first got into social media politics, which would have been November last year, I was definitely in like you know don't put my face out there, don't do anything. But right now it's like we have to do something because what we have right now is not working. So um, that's why I'm coming on all these podcasts and putting my faith to here and like doing a call to action because we have to do something because we can't keep going the way we are because if we keep doing what we're doing, we'll just be submissive and the government can walk all over us. So let's, uh, let's just, let's flip back and talk about coronavirus. So, um, I think maybe the view for coronavirus is a little different in Australia, in the mainstream than it is in the U.S. Um, and it's not perfect in the U.S., but I think a, a lot of people in the U.S. kind of understand that this is a virus that, you know, it's, it's not going to go away. Um, we can't, uh, you know, we can't lock everything down. It's going to disappear. It's going to be here. Um, that's not to Tell say... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, sure, pro-vax against vaccination. I'm not vaccinated, but if people want to get vaccinated, I have no problem with it. But when you look at Australia, the way that they're managing it, do they not understand that that it's uh, you know there's animal vectors and it's not going away? Is that is that widespread? So our prime minister, which is our of the president, has said recently, you know, we can't get COVID zero. Um, but the state premiers of Queensland, Western Australia, and 
Victoria, all of whom are Labour, which is our version of the Democrats, have said, no, we want, you know, we want to get rid of COVID completely. So they're, they're trying to go for a COVID zero. So every time, you get, every time you get a single case of COVID, you're going to lockdown. Yeah, you've got to do everything you can to stop that from spreading because we can't have any COVID in Australia whatsoever. It's the same in New Zealand. They, had, they locked in when they had one case turn up and they immediately went into a lockdown. That's, that, that's just... And their government, <laughs> their government is Labour as well there. So but definitely, it's definitely worse coming from the left than it is on the right. But even, even the right in Australia has been um, putting it to some extent. Um, the police minister from New South Wales, which, who's a conservative um, from the, the Liberal National Party, he mm-hmm. asks for soldiers from the federal government to come in and enforce lockdowns in Sydney. The Prime Minister, also a conservative, um, obliged to send in 300 soldiers. There's now 800 soldiers um, in Sydney and the surrounding areas to enforce lockdowns and support the police. So we're at the point where the Conservatives support the government sending in the soldiers against their own citizens. And the Deputy Police Commissioner of New South Wales just recently said, report your neighbours. If they're, if they're breaking lockdown, report your neighbours. And people have been. That's the most disturbing part. And that's also the same thing in the United States is that, that people are, yeah, people are quick to, when we were in lockdown, you know, quick to, quick to report on, on their neighbor, quick to report on someone not wearing a mask, quick, quick to, uh, to turn someone else in. That's, I mean, it's, it's sick. <laughs> it's a sickness. And it's not that, I mean, I think as libertarians, one of the things that we have a blind spot for is we're quick to point to the state, point to the ills of the state, and kind of miss that actually, well, who is the state? When you peel back the layers, the state is made up of the the people supporting it, the people propping it up, the people voting in these democratically you know, elected governments. And who votes? That's your neighbors, your community. So... <laughs> Of course, when uh, you know when the the shit hits the fan and you have a a pandemic, the people who are voting to uh, you know coercively steal from their neighbor to uh, to do things of that nature are also going to be quick to uh, to turn their neighbor in if it if it goes against what what they believe in or what they think is uh, is not safe for them or their family, which is it's it, it's troubling and it's it's a problem with the fabric of our society. So, you know, I don't know if it's, it's hard, like, I guess, like from my perspective and my question would be like, when I look at the United States, I feel like we have, I don't know. I was going to say, I feel like we, we have more of a, of a split, I guess, where, where maybe that, that prevents us a little bit more with the red and the blue States, uh, from having a, a devolving situation like has happened in, in some parts of Australia, but 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 maybe not. Um, so, how does Australia, or I guess does Australia, come back from this? How how do you guys break free from this tyranny? I, I genuinely, I have no idea. Um, so the way I'm trying to approach it right now is through getting involved in the political party that's just been set up. So you to know that it's a new libertarian party. They've literally said to me, how do you want to come on and do um, mm-hmm. content creation for us for social media and set up a podcast, that sort of stuff. So I've got a lot of flack from Americans for getting involved in uh, politics. What kind of flack are you getting from Americans? Well, I'm not a real ant cap because I, because I am involved with political parties. Tell them to shut up. I mean, well, at, at, <laughs> at the at the at the, the end like- of the day, I mean, yes, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. You have you have to be careful with, with uh, you have to be careful with ancaps. And at the end of the day, yes, politics probably is not the answer. But you have to assemble a base. You have to find out who's on your side, right? And how is she going to do that? So the way I'm approaching it is because we've got mandatory voting here. So if I was American, like I might, I thought I probably wouldn't vote, but because we've got mandatory voting here and it's preferential voting, my sense is like, if I, you know, vote for libertarian parties, then they'll get more attention in the media. People will mm-hmm. go look them up 
and the people will read the manifestos and we could win some converts to the libertarian cause and we can win the cultural war instead. So I'm using politics for a culture to, to achieve a victory in the cultural war because that's where we're going to win. Like politicians, you know, power power corrupts. Um, but if we get involved with in the grassroots with the community and change their minds, then we can, you know people will actually start waking up to what's happening. So that's the stance that I take on it. Yeah. So, so when you're reaching out to uh, and doing social media work for uh, for libertarian ideas in Australia, what what types of things are you sending out? What types of messaging are you doing? Are, are you taking messaging from a, from America? Are, are you are you going back to you know people like uh, Ludwig van Mises, Murray Rothbard? What, what types of ideas are you pulling from? Um, so. I'm still waiting to be given access to their accounts because they've just been set up literally like a hundred days old. So I'm mm-hmm. still waiting for them to, they've still got to set everything up, but the pressure I'm going to take is more like talking about like news events and that sort of stuff, because sure. theory is not big down here. Like you can't go to your local library and, and find books on Rothbard or Mises or Hayek or Hopper. Well, were you guys, I mean, to be honest, where you guys are probably theory is not useful. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, these are desperate times. So, yeah. So I I personally own a lot of uh, theory, but I'm the exception, not the rule down here. So well, let me let me put it this way. So when you do get access, um, how what's your plan for attracting more people to these ideas? What, what kind of what kind of pressure points are, are you going to try to uh, to press on to wake people up? So right now, the big push um, that we're going to try and look at is going after the lockdowns because that's that's right now is all that's being spoken about in Australia. So that's our main push. Things like gun rights and, and that sort of stuff are also important, but right now our concern is with the lockdowns. So what are the gun laws in Australia? <laughs> they're, they're hopeless. Um you can go to Wikipedia and look them up. It's got a list of the categories there, mm-hmm. but it's very limited as to what we can have. Um, in 1996, we had the Port Arthur, Mas- Port Arthur Massacre in uh, Tasmania. That's the island down off the mainland. Um, and then the Conservative government put in our gun control laws. So the, 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 the things that are, like, America, Americans don't understand, the fact that in Australia, the left and the right both support like the welfare state and hate speech laws and gun bans, that sort of stuff. A lot more than oh, the GFP does in America. That's that's actually so, not too far from what's happening in America either. But um, but at, at least at least the, the Republicans have like the rhetoric of you know gun rights. We don't yeah. even have that down here. If you're pro gun, you're far right. So they're not even the the right in Australia is not even pretending to be pro gun. Is what you're saying? They're not even. Running yes. on that. Well, they, okay. they love that John Howard, who is the person who put in place these gun control laws, is heralded as a hero by conservatives. Wow. So they don't care about the gun ban because he's such a great guy. It'd be like if Trump put in place a gun ban, but because all the all the MAGA heads loved him so much, they'd ignore the gun ban and say he's, he's such a great person. Well, that's actually uh, Trump did put in some, some gun yes, control laws, but, but, but less so than uh, less so than say Obama yeah, yeah. would have probably. So, so are you? Least... Are, like, is it possible to own a, uh, a? Like, what do you have to do if you want to get a firearm just for hunting in Australia? Is that something that can be done? No, not for hunting. So you can have it no. if you're a farmer. So that'd be like. So my grandfather is a farmer, so I've been fortunate enough to be able to have fired firearms. So mm-hmm. um, you can use it for it to do, to like hunt down pests and stuff on your on your property, or for self defense on your property if you're if you're a farmer. Um, or you can have it, or you have a gun if you're a recreational shooter, and you've got to join a gun you've got to join a gun club to do that. What 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 about for hunting? Is I mean, so so you can't get a gun even for hunting in Australia. So I don't know the specifics on that, but I think mm-hmm. you've got to be uh, quite rural. So you can't, I, I, I can't go out and you know get a gun to go hunting animals where I am right now. Be just be just because you're in the city. city. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So it, it wouldn't be a, re- a reasonable grounds for it. So we do have 
more guns now than we had after the amnesty finished in 1997, where people handed in all their guns. We do have guns, mm-hmm. more guns now than then. So the Australian left is like, when, they, when, when we bring up guns, they're like, stop complaining about it because you have more guns now than you had then. But the problem is that we've gained seven or eight million more Australians. So that we have more guns, we've got a lot more people. So the mm-hmm. proportion of households that own guns has dropped by 75%. The people who are buying guns already have guns. Right. So, so you're not getting any, gun, any new, really new guns in the circulation. No. So, I mean, so, so that really goes back to with these lockdowns, there's really no threat of a, of a pushback. Um, so, so, so when you look of, at Americans that I talk, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. A lot of Americans I talk to online are like, oh, you know, if you guys hadn't given up your guns, you could fight back. Uh, but the way I say it is, it's not necessarily that. Like, if we didn't give up our guns, we wouldn't have a submissive mindset. So we have we have the same mindset that we had in 1996 that we have now of, you know, being submissive to the state because they're protecting us. If we didn't give up our guns, that would show that we had a different mindset to what we actually have right now. So that's, that's the way I say it. It's not... It's not the mere fact that we gave our guns. It's the the whole mindset behind it. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, it was a mindset that it's not that the guns were were really taken away. I mean, tell me if I'm reading this wrong. It's that they were willingly given up for the most part. Yeah, people people willingly gave up their guns to be destroyed by the government. What, what, why do you think that was? I mean. It just just a cultural change, or was there? I mean, was there some was there violence that was happening, or what did the government sort of use to uh, to influence people to to do that? So we had one mass shooting, and that was it. And the government said, "Okay, give your guns up." So think about Sandy Hook. It, mm-hmm. Sandy Hook's a bit smaller than Port Arthur was. So if after Sandy Hook, the government said, "All right, give up all your guns," that's basically what we had happen here. And everyone did, or not everyone, but people, people and, did. And, yeah. But people gave up most of their guns that um, were outside of the categories that are all out. So yeah, well, lots of guns were given up. All right, we got a we got a comment here. I'm going to pull this up. <laughs> the man Crocodile Dundee was based off. Was based on oh, this is not worded well. Based off died after a days long gunfight when he came to confiscate his guns. Hmm. Is that true? I don't know if that's true. I haven't heard that story. Um, no, but I, I do know that the knives that he uses, mm-hmm. you probably couldn't get away with most of Australia. Like you can't really? own knives for self defence. Again, it's the same sort of reasoning as it is for um, guns. So you know you you've got to be uh, rural or on a farm. But most Australians can't own guns like that and can't carry them on their body. So a few years ago, we had a um, a guy got a knife and he went on a stabbing rampage. Um, I think it was either Sydney or Melbourne. And people gave chase with milk crates and wicker chairs that, that to stop him. That's, that's ridiculous. You know, no, one ha- no one has weapons for self-defense. So when someone goes and uses a weapon, they have to use whatever they can find. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's wicker chairs. Somebody has a knife, you're chasing them with a wicker chair. That, sorry, I'm laughing, but that's it's just that's insane. Um, it, it's it's just so it's it's so crazy to think, and I don't even think the U.S. is that far behind this happening. But it's 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 almost like Australia is a little bit ahead of where the USA. I feel like I feel like is going, and kind of this pandemic just caught at this time that. I feel I feel terrible for uh, for the entire country of Australia, but I, I feel terrible for especially for the people who love individual liberty and uh, who are fighting down there. So when you reach out to, I mean, just for an example, I mean, when you look at your, you know, other 19, 20, 21 year olds, 18 year olds, those types of people in Australia, younger people, um, where do they generally? fall in this are they in favor of these lockdowns are they going for it are they skeptical somewhere in between so i'm at yeah at university right now so you can imagine people who like they, they they're all left 
leftists, basically, most leftists. Um, they're around my age, like late, ge like early Gen Z, late millennial leftists. At least the ones that I interact with, um, people who are looking at getting into white collar jobs, at least. So, like all of them, or have you met have you met anybody who is uh, sympathetic to uh, to your ideas? I have met a, I have met a couple of conservatives. Neither yeah. I none libertarians. A couple of conservatives, but most people who are on the left. Um, like I've only met one libertarian in my entire life. That's because I went to school with him. Um, but mm. he was he was classical liberal, and he's he left um, school before I finished. So I don't know where he's like now for politics. But like most Australian libertarians will never meet another libertarian like for much of their life unless they're involved in politics. Wow. So if you trace back your uh, like the house you grew up in, are, your parents are are leftists as well, or no? So they're they're conservative. Okay. Christ, Christian evangelical conservative. Um, that's what my parents are. So, at what point did you, growing up, did you start to question, you know, these leftist ideas, these conservative ideas, and start to start to look towards libertarian ideals? So, I started off as being on the on the left. In 2017, we had a um, same-sex marriage plebiscite, which is basically a postal vote for all the citizens. It's one of the few times that we actually have actually had voluntary voting in Australia, so it wasn't mandatory for once. Um, so I went to school with um, a guy who was gay and a, and a lesbian as well, and I remember talking to them and I said, "Well, we should at least, you know, let the let, let the right speak." So for context, where I live is the middle of the Bible Belt. Um, so when we had the vote happen, we were one of the few federal electorates who voted against same-sex marriage. Um, so they, the, the, the gay and the lesbian I was talking to are like, you know, we can't even let the right speak their opinion on this. So I was really disenfranchised with the PC culture um, going forward from then. And so that made me, you know, look into the... And Stephen Crowder came up actually unrecommended for my, um, my on YouTube because I was watching a lot of um, John Oliver and Trevor Noah. And Stephen Crowder came up as recommended and I watched one of his videos and, you know, loved it and got into conservative politics. But then, you know, 2019... I'm looking at like Trump and seeing like he's not really conservative. Like looking at his policies, he's not. He's, he's got the rhetoric there. But his, his policies are completely like not like not what conservatives say their policies should be. Like the red flag laws and stuff like that. So you know that disenfranchised me from the from the right, and I started getting involved in uh, libertarianism, and you know went down that route, which is where I am now. But most Australians aren't exposed to that sort of stuff. They're exposed to the the standard left and the right. And, because things are so linear down here, um, the media calls classical liberals as they're, they're hard right. If you're anti-lockdown, you're far right. So that's 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 the state of things right now. Hey, friends, what is happening? Just a quick note. I want to talk to you about another great podcast, one that I listen to all the time. It's called Good Morning Liberty. It's hosted by our good friends, Nate and Charlie. These are two guys that, uh, I'll tell you what, they do a great job of sorting through the news and pulling out the most important stuff. They're two guys that they actually work together and they have a, a healthcare IT consulting company. So really cool, interesting background for a lot of the things that we're going through today with the pandemic and everything else. But also importantly, I think that they really bring a great way of taking uh, complicated ideas and condensing them down so you can easily communicate them to your friends and persuade them to uh, you know actually agree with you on some topics. So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, go give Good Morning Liberty a listen. Check out Nate and Charlie and uh, tell them that I sent you to listen to Good Morning Liberty. Check it out. That's interesting. Talking so, so you were looking at a modeling after Stephen Crowder in the U.S. Obviously, and looking at looking at Trump and being like, "Well, this guy's not really conservative." What's happening? So, is that something that's common for Australians to look at the United States and as kind of a mirror for for their their politics? No, it's not. So, um, half of my degree is international relations, which is like world mm -hmm. politics and foreign affairs. So, you know, I, I was always interested in politics. So that's why I was following America so closely because 
what America is, Australia does, like people call us the, the 51st state, although we're worse, worse than California, but we're the 51st state of America sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was always paying attention to what America does. And so, you know, I was seeing a lot of stuff about Trump and to a lesser extent, Australian premiers and prime ministers, but who, who claim to be conservative, it was, it was especially Trump. And I was yeah, like, he's, he's not conservative at all. No, he's, he's he was just a populist. And um, it'll be, I mean, not to get sidetracked, but it'll be interesting to see what happens um, if Trump runs again um, with how terrible Joe Biden's doing. And uh, especially when you go against the uh, the war machine and he's pulled out of Afghanistan and done it in a uh, pretty remarkably bad fashion. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I, I don't know. Um, well, remember remember he was he was Obama's vice president, and Obama stopped up Benghazi. So you know yeah. he's learned from the worst. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. Like uh, Joe Biden thinks like he he says things. Well, he's seen now, but he 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 says things and doesn't think like anyone's paying attention to the timeline and he's like well yeah i remember 10 years ago i was saying we should have been out of afghanistan it's like well you were the vice president then man like you should, you can't just say you were saying it and then you were there it should have happened you should have had some influence it's an indictment on you but anyway i, I mean i i'm i'm glad the us is out of out of afghanistan it's just remarkably pitiful the way they pulled out and have left people behind when obviously they knew what was going to happen that they knew the taliban was going to take over they could have got everyone out and it it shouldn't have been an issue it's i don't know if it's intentional or not it it seems like it it might be intentional honestly 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 god honestly (laughs) so so with with Afghanistan in australia we've, we've got a very very tough border policy thinking about trump's border wall but actually being successful. So if you come by boat to Australia, you, you'll be sent to Nauru or Menace Island to, to be processed, and you could be there for years. So a very, really? very tough immigration policy. So when Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, sent a, a he sent their C-130 over to Afghanistan to you know get our boys out, he brought home 26 people, including one Afghan national, but they were mostly embassy staff. So yeah, he could have so- brought home like people who were like, like refugees, but no, because we've got such a strict immigration policy, he didn't want to bring home any people who were who were refugees. That's really interesting. From a country that you know puts out this leftist, um, you know, uh, empathetic, uh, caring vibe that you won't let anyone in. So yeah, tell me more about the the immigration policy. So how does that work? Like, how hard is it if someone wants to immigrate to Australia? Is it? It's a year-long process, and they're isolated that that whole time, or how does that work? No, so that that's illegal immigrants. So if you come mm-hmm. by a boat as a refugee from the Middle East, that's what they'll send you. So you can still come here legally as, as a legal immigrant, um, and that's that's not that's a standard normal process. But like illegal immigrants are sent to these two islands to be processed, and they could be there for years yeah. before they finally before they finally let into Australia. I guess it's different with a. An island nation, you don't have to worry about borders that much, right? You can't. Uh, I mean, like with the United States, with with Mexico, right there. I mean, trying to trying to keep a wall up and keep a front up is it, it's it's kind of absurd when you, when you have a have a border that people can just walk over. But yes. anyway, <laughs> turning back to to COVID because. I feel like the eyes of the U.S. are locked on Australia. You have the people from the left who are thinking and saying, you know, we should have been more like Australia. We should be more like New Zealand. You have the people from the right saying, oh, my God, look at this. This is terrifying. What's happening there? When you look, when you try to picture your own life five years, ten years from now, I guess we could split it. Two questions. Um, what do you hope for? What are you working for? And then the other the other side would be, what's your worst case scenario? Like, what, what do you think the worst thing that can happen would be? So my goal right now is just, you know, get people 
over the line to being libertarian. So I don't care if they're classical liberal or if they're a minarchist or if they're ANCAP. This as long as they, you know, in the in the in the the realm of libertarianism, um, because I know like that's better than what we have now. Definitely, like even though you know classical liberals, you know, they still support the state to some extent. It's better than what mm-hmm. we have now, at least. And it's not realistic, you know, with your strained mindset to bring them straight to ANCAP. It will be a long journey. So that's that's the hope, you know, to try and change some people's minds and get them, you know, open to libertarian ideas to some extent, as long as they're in the, the in that libertarian circle. Um, I know a lot of American libertarians that are very much gatekeepers. I've got definitely, like, as I said before, like, I've got flack for that. I've got flack for being a, a law student who's a Lysander Spooner ANCAP, um, because I bet I'm not a real libertarian either. I got a, I know a guy who with strong borders. He's not a real libertarian, um, according to the Americans. Uh, not everyone, but a lot of people say that to us. You know, it's really disheartening to see, like, this is how they see us. You know, they don't see us as real libertarians. They just see us as, you know, statists who, you know, have rhetoric there. But I, um, I would honestly, I, I would not get too caught up in the opinions of libertarians in the u.s we are very fractured very very divided yes. which which to a certain extent is healthy because we get a lot of good debates we get a lot of good discussions and you know at least at this point in time we have freedom of speech so we can battle back and forth but yeah i, I would not the, not let that hold you up keep keep pushing forward don't don't get caught up with assholes in the u.s uh giving you shit I know. I was trying. I was trying to compare the U.S. model to what a lot of Australians are supporting, which is uh, more of a unit, which is more of a unity stance. So we'll work with anyone to work mm-hmm. for our common goals of liberty. To any extent, so we'll we'll work with with communists. You know, work against the government. We'll work with the right to you know support more free markets. We'll, we'll work with anyone who's willing to work yeah. with us to achieve our common goals. Provided that coalition we, building. Provided that's that, what it's all about. Yeah, Finding people. That's basically it. On- yeah, on, on common common issues. Um, yeah, I mean that, and that's what's worked to a certain degree in the U.S. with finding, you know, working with the left on criminal justice reform, things like that. I, I know that that that's something we talked about before. You know, uh, with your interest in the law. So that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. Is because it's kind of hard to get people to come in and grasp the whole, um, you know, libertarian concept. Um, it's easier to go out and find areas where you agree and, and build coalitions that way. Yes, I definitely, definitely agree. Because there are, there are so few of us down here that we have to do anything we can to, you know, achieve our goals of liberty. You know, in America, it's easier to be more gatekeeping because there, there are more libertarians there than there are down here. But, like, because there aren't many of us, we have to do anything we can to, you know, to achieve what we want to achieve with terms of, in terms of liberty. That's the approach that we take. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying that there's not not many libertarians in Australia. So, when you look at um, at the top of the the show, we were talking about it wasn't in Sydney, I guess it was in Melbourne. Um, the protest where they broke through the lines. Um, it seems like there is some anti lockdown sediment there. There's some anti lockdown support. Uh, is, is that is that something that you think uh, think can take hold? See, so that's a mixture of um, conservatives who are fed up with it, who have like have had like six lockdowns, and libertarians, and the far right, and QAnon. So it's, it's QAnon, a whole different. Really? Yeah, yeah. We've got we've got QAnon down here in Australia. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't even understand yeah. like what. It's, I don't understand how QAnon is still a thing, but yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't know what the thing down here because we don't have we don't have Trump, you know, worship. So I don't know how it's, I don't know how it's picked up uh, traction down here, but you know, apparently it has. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a it's a it's a mishmash of people from all different ways of life, like even nineteen sixties um style hippies, you know, getting involved mm-hmm. to some extent. So it's it's a, it's a it's a, it's a it's a complete jumble of uh, people who are anti-lockdown. Well, that's good. I mean, in the U.S., we have the 1960s style hippies who were, uh, you know, having sex in the mud at Woodstock, who are now um, turning around and saying, "Hey, you better get vaccinated, or uh, you'll lose your job." So, 
they've, they've totally, totally flip-flopped on, uh, on freedom and uh, individual choice. But yeah, that's either they were full of shit then or they're full of shit now. I'm not, I'm not sure which one it is. It's, it's, uh, it's my body, my choice until it comes to vaccines, in which case it's your body, our choice. That's, that's what it is. And another way I like to put it, like looking at it through the lens of the war on drugs, and I, I do want to talk about the, um, the war on drugs in Australia and, and kind of how people view drugs there in a minute. But before we get to that, so tell me what you think of this concept. So at least the war on drugs in the U.S., um, obviously up until this point, it's slowly starting to change, but it's been very prohibitive Um really the only thing that has been legalized to a certain degree recreationally and medically has been marijuana. Um, Everything else, extremely prohibitive, prohibiting what you can put in your body. And it's starting to shift now with the vaccines to, hey, this is what you must put in your body. So it's turning from a prohibition to a requirement. So uh, I want to get your opinion if that's something that you think will happen in Australia. But first, like, what what's the deal with with drugs in Australia? Is it very prohibited? Is there a war on drugs in Australia? So there's definitely a war on drugs, uh, not to the same extent as there is in America, but there's definitely something. There's definitely stuff going on. Um, so we put a a twelve point five percent tax on cigarettes, plus a ten plus a plus a ten percent. Goods and services tax on cigarettes says twenty three point five. On alcohol, there's an excise tax of forty two point five percent on on beer. Plus forty two point five percent on beer. Plus plus the GST, which then brings it to fifty two point five percent. So wait, is that like is that like is that like buying buying a case of beer, or is that like buying every beer you buy at a bar, or how does how does that work? So I, I don't know. I, I don't usually like. I haven't been able to really go to any um, bars recently because of the lockdowns. Um, so I wouldn't know that. But what, I know, what's I know the What's the drinking age in Australia? Uh so it's eighteen. Okay. At eighteen, you can go into pubs and buy alcohol. Sixteen, if you, you can drink on private property, that's the that's the Queensland rules. That's, you got better laws than us there, so you got that going for us. But you can't yes. even go out. And, you can't even go out and drink now. So. What does it matter? Well, I know recently Dan Andrews, the, the um, Victorian Premier, said that you can't be drinking beer outside with your mask on. You, you can't be drinking any sort of alcohol outside with your mask on. So, you know, which of course means you can't take your mask off to, you know, drink it either. But you can't drink any alcohol down there whatsoever. So it's definitely, you know, when push comes to shove, mm-hmm. it's definitely, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't take away the um the beer, but yeah, it's it's definitely you know quite interesting down here how they got away with such a, with such a high uh, tax on it. So, do you have uh, medical marijuana, recreational mar- marijuana legalized in Australia at all? No, so we've got as far as I know that we've got no marijuana legalized at all. Wow. See that, that that's interesting because it, supposedly a liberal country you would expect you would expect to see that. So, well, like what what are uh, how harsh are the laws generally for a nonviolent drug crime? You know, if somebody gets caught, and I'm not asking for specifics, but anecdotal stories, things like that. If somebody gets caught selling, you know, a little bit of marijuana, what kind of punishment are, are they roughly looking at? It's definitely prison time um, for that. Really, I think that for drug use, um, it's prison time. For for drug paraphernalia, it's prison time. The doctor is going to fine you. Um, they're very, very, very much strict on that, which you can see, like, which reflects the the, the um the alcohol taxes. Um, like, even if even if it was legalized, it would be heavily regulated and it would be taxed. The kingdom come like. Whiskey and gin is taxed fifty-seven percent. So you can imagine how much I tax marijuana, Jesus. even for medical reasons. Jeez, man, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So that the they're it's uh, it's the sin tax, as they say. So yeah, they're that's yep. that's the same thing they do in the U.S. and they do the same thing with cigarettes and 
Uh, I'm sure, or maybe you didn't see, but years ago, there was the the famous story in New York City where Eric Garner was selling loose cigarettes on the street and he got choked out and killed um, by a uh, New York City police officer for selling loose cigarettes. And the police officer walked away and did not do any prison time. So that's... that's it's just, it's just, it's just fucking insane. Well, I know, I know. In Queensland, it's it's uh, fifteen years for drug paraphernalia, for example. So it, it's ridiculous, is that the extent that they'll go, they'll go for it? Mm-hmm. And it, it dates back. It dates back to the uh, end of the nineteenth century. That is it. That it's been going on for. So back back then, the the, the Queensland Parliament passed the. This was like four years before Federation. The Queensland Colony as was at the time, passed the Aboriginal Protection and the Restriction of the Sale of Opium Act 1897. Um, And as part of that act was meant, you know, you have to to sell um, drugs and alcohol, you have to have a a license, Mm -hmm. which brought in the equivalent of five and a half million US dollars um, in today's money per year. Uh, They arrested people from China for selling drugs. White people got away with it fine. So they never arrested any white people for it, only people from China. So we've had a drug war going on since the 19th century. So it's got a very, its roots go back a fair way. So when you look at the, the drug war in Australia, like on the, on a personal level, like when you look at the the stigma associated with drug crime, um, if somebody is convicted and gets out of prison, like, is that person shunned from society or like, how, how's that culturally? So culturally, most people are opposed to um, any sort of drug legalization. So definitely they'll be opposed to that as well. There was a, a coming from where, where I am right now in the middle of a Bible belt, like when they legalized um, euthanasia, for example, people uh, were complaining about that because that's too liberal. Um, so very, very, very much an, an, an anti-drug culture, even when people who, you know, have been supposedly been through prison and are supposedly mm-hmm. have been re- rehabilitated, like even those people are, you know, shunned. Even that, though we're that's... told the legal system, or even though we're told the legal system will mean that, you know, they've been rehabilitated and they're not going to be repeat offenders, they still get shunned largely. Yeah, that's, that's a shame. And I feel like it's gotten a little bit better in the states. Uh, I feel like we're kind of kind of treading backwards now, but I feel like we had some momentum. The end of Barack Obama's term, there was a lot of uh, he granted clemency to a lot of nonviolent uh, offenders. You know, there were there still are people, but there were a lot more people who were doing life sentences for selling marijuana in uh, in U.S. prisons and. Obama let some out. Um, Trump let Trump let more out, but there's there's still more in there, and it's 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 insane that we we still live in that world where there's people in prison for selling pot, um, people who just got out, and then you have we we have you know multi million dollar companies who are who are now allowed to sell it, and people just you know people who are still in prison for selling it. It's it's absurd, but. Um, so let's, I mean, let me just turn it over to you and tell me a little bit about more, a little bit more about your mission, um, what you'd like to accomplish. You know, I know you're getting more involved with your lo- local libertarian, uh, libertarian party there. Um, and I, I should say again, going under the name Liberty Down Under, that's at Liberty Down Under. The under does not have the E, so give them a follow on Twitter. Tell me a little bit about like best case scenario, looking forward a couple years. Um, what would you like to see happen in Australia with Liberty movement? So I'm very much a grassroots kind of person. So, you know, on Twitter, I've been actively getting a, a, um, a group of libertarians in Australia together. So, you know, we, we can, we can spread the, the word about what's, ha- what's happening down here, but you know, I'm very much, you know, I love grassroots work. And you, know, and, you know, networking said so that's my goal for the next couple of years is to get that, that grassroots system network in place, you know, win the cultural war because it's, it's more important. You can't win the political war till you win the cultural war. So that's my priority is, you know, to get people 
you know, bring them into the libertarian tent. Um, and, you know, that way we can win the cultural war first because you're not, you're not going to win politics until, you know, you change people's mindsets. And so you win, you win the hearts and minds of the people, which is, which is what I'm going to try and do. So, so what's a cultural issue you think that can draw people to the ideas of liberty other than lockdowns? So probably a, a big one would be, this is, this is where we can appeal to the left, would be uh, immigration would be a big area. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of the left is um, opposed to how harsh the immigration laws are right now. So that's definitely a place that we can, you know, make contact with them and try and bring them into the, into the circle. So that's definitely a big area that I want to want to, want to focus on once we have once we get through these lockdowns. Is you know, immigration is definitely a big area I want to see changed. Because you know, uh, again, doing international relations, I hear about all these stories from the Middle East. You know, how horrifying it is over there, and they, they try and come to Australia for freedom um, because I've heard about how good Australia is, and then we turn them away. So you know, I really want to see that changed. And I think the, the way to do that is to work with the left. Definitely, like our our our, our Greens party um, is pretty pretty good on immigration, even though they're, they're even though they're like, you know, they're, what, they're, they're the same as your party basically. They're the same as American Greens, but they're pretty good on immigration. So you know, working with them, they've got I think eight or nine senators in the federal parliament. So you know, working with them, to, you know, try and you know make headway is definitely what I want to do. Well, they're they're doing better. They're doing better than American Greens. American Greens have have no power here. But um, they're, they're, I mean, I, I've met a bunch. They're 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 caring people. They're they're generally nice people from the ones that I've met. So I have nothing against well, the Greens because, in the U.S. But that's because we've got preferential voting. So there are twelve senators per state, not two. Mm-hmm. And preferential voting means that like minor parties can get senators in. So the Liberal Democrats, which are the main Libertarian Party, um that I used to be involved with. They had a senator at one point from New South Wales, a guy named David Linehelm. He's been inherited as Australia's Ron Paul. Um, but he got in because we have preferential voting. So the Liberal Democrats are definitely trying to go um, for the upper house, you know, try and, you know, get libertarians in there. They've got two in the Victorian upper house as well. So, uh, so uh, that, that, can, can you explain real quickly how preferential voting works? So you label down the ballot paper, you know, one to six or one to five if it's for um mm-hmm. for for the lower house, you label one to six, one to five, however many candidates there are, you've got to give everyone a number and you've got to you've got to label one to six for the Senate. I think it's one to six. I haven't voted in a Senate election. Um I have voted in lower house elections, but not a Senate election because Queensland, my state, we had our election last year, but we don't have a Senate. We've just got one um, House of Parliament, the lower house. So I haven't voted in any Senate elections yet, but we've got a federal election next year. So, so you label one to six. So, so you rank those six in, in the order yeah. you'd want them, and then there's the the points assigned for each for each ranking, and then that's that's how you determine who wins. Yes. Or, yes, that's okay. how it works. So often the Liberal National Party will work with um, with other right wing parties. Probably the bigger one we have is as our uh, One Nation. You, you may have heard of Pauline Hanson, who's a very controversial mm-hmm. figure down here. Um, she pulled a stunt where she uh, turned up into Parliament House wearing a burqa. Do you know make a point that you can't tell people's faces if they're wearing a burqa? Saying, "Yeah, we should ban the burqa," which is very controversial. But often the Liberal Party will do a preferencing deal with with uh, her party. So, you know, you vote Liberal 1 and then vote One Nation 2. And they'll, and they'll One Nation will tell their voters to do One Nation 1, Liberal Party number 2. So, you know, that, that way, if they don't get in, the other party does get in. That's, they try and work things like that. They should do the, uh, with the masking, you know, to, to show that we should not be wearing masks. They should sneak some politicians into the Capitol in the U.S. wearing masks and wigs so you can't tell who they are. It would be funny. That would be a good prank. So we, we, we've had one, we've had a couple of federal MPs um, go against um, lockdowns and restrictions. Uh, George Christensen from the Liberal Party, he's probably the, the, mo- the most recent one, and he got criticised from the left and the right for being anti-lockdown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, politicians, you know, get screwed over. Like, if they're actually trying to be anti-lockdown, um, 
the two Liberal Democrat senators in uh, Victoria for the state parliament um, protested on the grounds of parliament by sitting in uh, chairs at the front for the duration of the day until late at night, you know, to protest uh, Dan Andrews, the Premier, closing down playgrounds for kids. The police were waiting to arrest them uh, once they got off parliament grounds. I don't, th- I don't know if they were arrested, but their argument was you can't arrest us on parliament grounds because we're politicians, we're doing our parliamentary duty. So they, they were able to get around the cops that way. But, yeah, there are, there are a few politicians who are anti-lockdown, anti-mask, but not many at all. So what about the media in Australia? What, what's, I mean, in the U.S., basically, anybody, anybody who is, you know, sympathetic to the ideas of liberty, sympathetic to freedom, um, understands that it's the corporate press, it's the pharmaceutical press, it's they have their agenda. Um, what, what's the media like in Australia? It, it's pretty much um, like you guys. One, one of our biggest federal newspapers is The Australian. And they're the people who called the liberal democrat liberals, they called them hard right. So the media is definitely very much anti. The only exception we have there is Sky News, who are a bit like Fox News in America. So they're a bit more anti-restrictions, anti-COVID lockdowns. Um, but they're pretty isolated in that stance. Hmm. All right, Liberty Down Under, um, I'm going to turn it over to you. You know, this has been about an hour. This has been a great interview. And uh, I want you to plug everything that you're working on, your personal stuff, um, anything else that you have out there. Please uh, tell my audience where they can find you, where they can help you, all that stuff. So you can find me at Liberty Down Under with an E, under on Instagram, and no E on Twitter because Twitter, you have, you have to have a 15-letter cap. Um, so it's a bit confusing, you know, having that missing E, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, the party I'm getting involved with is Australia's representatives, um, Ausrep. So if you follow me on Twitter, I'll be definitely promoting their stuff. We're looking at setting up a podcast. We'll probably be the first libertarian podcast in Australia. So definitely, like, even, like listen to that one so you can get it. Um, a good feel about what's going on down here culture wise that's probably the biggest thing right now i'm going to try and work on is you know we need a pot like in america you want a, a you want a real libertarian if you don't have a podcast down here no one has their own podcast so you know i want to try and you know get some podcasts mm-hmm. out there you know get the word out more than just you know tweets about it yeah let, definitely let us know when you get that podcast off the ground we'll uh you know help you with uh publicizing that tweeting it out all that good stuff so yeah, I've, I've had a few Americans come, like, because I'm moving in American circles um, online. I've had several Americans say, you know, when you get the podcast up, we can help you with um, with publishing it and how, you know, edit it mm-hmm. and sort of stuff. I'm probably not going to be a main host um, because, you know, I just got so much stuff on right now. You know, working part-time, university full-time, plus all the, plus all the social media stuff. So I probably won't be a, a host, but I'll definitely be a, a regular guest on, hopefully. Awesome. Well, looking forward to uh, to see everything that comes out, and definitely, uh, you know, as uh, as libertarians in the U.S., I think I think everyone is is looking at Australia, and uh, you know, we're we're hopeful that uh, that things get better for you all. And um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's not that the U.S. is is that much better. I, I just. Uh, I just hope the world wakes the hell up <laughs> in the next year here, yeah. and the next time, and the next time you and I talk, um, this is all behind us, so we can we can talk about advancing liberty and not worry about all this lockdown bullcrap. Yes, agreed. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we will talk soon. Thank you. All right, taking a quick break here. I want to talk to you all about my friend, friend of the show, Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, and his new song. And uh, he's featured on a track with Intrinsic. It's called First World Problems. Basically, what it's doing is it's talking about different concepts are woven throughout the track, you know, cancel culture, grifters, inflation, innovation, all kinds of different things. It's a really, really interesting track. Please go wherever you listen to your music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whichever one of these places where you listen to music, please like and follow Crypto Man, and please like this song, share with your friends, and it's just an awesome song, guys. So I got a clip for you. Check it out. Yo, yo, yo. 
clean no room, better clean no room. Cost of education when internet is free. Blind pendle makers who simply cannot see. guys enjoyed that episode another awesome guest here on finding freedom i'm really excited about you know all of the great guests i've had on recently and excited about the direction of uh, of the podcast of the lions of liberty brand things we're doing one of the things we're doing guys is if you haven't been to the lions of liberty store if you haven't seen our t-shirt designs we just rolled out a new one it's freaking awesome um, it's our hands up don't nuke t-shirt and uh, if you just go to lionsofliberty.store, you'll see it right there at the top of the page. You can browse through, check out everything, everything we got there. But I really highly recommend picking up one or two of these shirts, and uh, you're, you're going to love it. It's got the, uh, the redneck-looking guy with his hands up, with the bombs pointed at him, big lettering, hands up, don't nuke, put together by our good friend Dan Smots. You're going to love this T-shirt. You can get it two ways. Like I said, you can go to lionsofliberty.store, pick it up that way. Or if you join the Lions of Liberty Pride um, at a certain level, um, you actually get a free t-shirt when you join. You can pick that. Or just by joining the Pride, you get access to a discount on every uh, on all the merchandise we have in the store. So you can buy it that way as well. And we have, of course, we have the Taxation is Death t-shirts. Um, we have our original designs. I got the old school Felony Friday stuff. Brian has his Electric Liberty Land t-shirts, and uh, uh, Mark has the original, the 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 OG Lions of Liberty PBR logo shirt. We got the Are You Ready to Roar shirt, and we, we've had a ton of different designs. We've never taken anything down. It's all there, so check it out, lionsofliberty.store. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Such an important episode, um, and thank you for everything you do supporting us. We really do appreciate it. All right, guys, this is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is liberty burning. <laughs>